Hi everyone, this is Drew Waldron, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Niche Talks. Today's niche is improv comedy, and we're joined by Connor Delaney. Connor began his comedy career at the Firehouse Theater in Newport, Rhode Island, alongside the Bit Players, a comedy group that I found myself joining years later as a musician. Connor and I met over this past summer and connected over social media. I was fascinated with his story, moving to Chicago to pursue creative ventures in a city that not only has a legendary comedy scene, but is the birthplace of improv comedy itself. Connor credits the bit players for introducing him to a passion that he loves, and I credit the bit players for reinvigorating my musicianship at a time in my life where I was lacking creativity. So I was thrilled to sit down with Connor and discuss that, as well as his own creative endeavors. Please enjoy. This is Niche Talks, a Drew Waldron podcast. To support it, please consider liking, reviewing, and subscribing. But it's like anything, man. You just got to keep doing the work. That's a big thing. A big, and you'll hear me probably say it throughout this interview. It's like, mm. you just got to do the work because you enjoy it. Don't, don't do something, which I'm, I'm adjusting my lifestyle now based on that. Because like for a while, it was just sort of like, what's the next thing? How do I get to the next level? And I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing. And now it's like, oh, well, I, I really like the work. You know, the most fun I had doing it was at the bit players. Because like great group of people, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah, when you lose sight of like having fun in the moment and like you're trying to get to the next level, it's like it it, it takes away from it. You know what I mean? I, absolutely. And I think that's a great uh, segue. Uh, so I, I think the interview probably started a couple minutes ago, depending on how I edited it. <laughs> But I'm glad you mentioned the bit players because that is the link between uh, you and me. You and I miss each other by what a, a year or so. I started at the beginning of uh, 2023, um, but you were an improv comedian at the Bit Players, and I came on as a musician. And I was going to say that you and I had one show together, but that's not exactly true. I don't know if you remember, but uh, for the show that you came back for, the uh, beer supplier ended up not coming through. So I had to run out and get, get a ton of stuff. And I would like, I was doing it as the show was starting. So I missed my entrance to, to, to come on stage and I just didn't find it. Till oh the end. my so God. You and, you and I got about 20% of a show together. Yeah, that's good. 20%. That's a good start. I, I hope it's not the last. I hope we get mm -hmm. to do a little more in the future. That'd be, That'd cool. be nice. What was your start in improv comedy? Like what got you, was the bit players your first foray into improv comedy? Yes. So uh, I watched Whose Line Is It Anyway growing up, um, but I, did, I had no idea what improv was. I remember it like somebody had mentioned improv to me at one point because um, so I guess prior to that, I was in the military for six years. So when I left high school, I didn't do theater in high school, really. I wrote like a variety show junior year, uh, like called the Escapades at South Kingston High School. And um, yeah, so uh, left school, went to the military and kind of always had in the back of my head, like, oh, I'd like to get on stage, but like had no idea how, like I said, like I, I was very timid about putting myself out there and like probably over, over hyper aware of like how people were perceiving me and how I was perceiving myself. So like a little insecure or whatever. And then joined the military, came back, went to a show at the bit players and didn't know Frank was in the cast. It turned out. So Frank was actually one of my substitute teachers in high school. And so when I, crazy. So when I went there, Frank was in the show and we were all yelling stuff in the back and, uh, at one point, he like pulled people from the audience and he pulled me on stage. He was like, "All right, get up, whatever." Um, and we did something with Vlad. It was like living scenery. And as we were leaving after the show, Frank was like, "Oh, we have auditions tomorrow. You should come by." And I was like, "Oh yeah, like you know." And I'm you know, few few beers deep at that point, so I was like, "Definitely, I'll be there." And we like went out, had a few more drinks, and my buddy's like, "You should go. That'll be you know." I think you fit right in there. Went to the audition. Um, first time I'd ever done improv. Uh, didn't do, I thought I did really well, didn't do great, 
I found out later that Carl and I actually didn't get in when they voted to bring people in. It, well, Izzy was the only one in our class who got in. And Chase and Jared, I guess, traded a vote uh, so that I would come in and Carl would also come in. So like either of them had voted us down or the other one up or whatever. And so we ended up like, uh, I'll vote for him if you vote for him. And so we both got in and nobody ever mentioned it to us until like a year in. And we were like, oh, shit, I guess we got really lucky there. Um, so, yeah. So first time ever doing improv was at uh, auditions for the bit players. And uh, yeah, got into the company and the rest is kind of history. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like every bit player origin story has the sentence. I did something with Vlad. Like <laughs> to be the one the one thing that connects everybody. Yeah. Yeah. When that building burns down he'll be inside man i'm telling you that guy, that guy i don't think he exists outside of the firehouse theater i'm pretty sure yeah. he just he comes with the property i i wasn't an improviser but i was i was a musician but i had never done anything like that uh i'd never done musical comedy or music outside of the context of just a, a, a musical performance and when i had joined the bit players i hadn't really felt creative in a long time i kind of felt like yeah. oh like i used to play music i used to really like it but i haven't really done anything to kind of push myself forward and it, it's crazy how even in that creative environment like it it just helped me so much like i feel like i've been so much better of a musician over the last year just because i i've been doing that now how do you think that the bit players kind of pushed you to where you are now with what you're doing in chicago oh my god um i had no real aspiration to pursue like any theater when i was when i joined the bit players i was going to school for political science and then like within six months of being in the company i just kind of like uh like fell in love with it you know just for fear of sounding like a cliche i uh, just like fell in love with the stage um man it's it's crazy because i joined the company i didn't know that you got paid and like we were you make money at the bit players which is i, I don't know either insane by the way crazy right but yeah Getting out there, being able to do that, like learning from Frank and Vlad and Cleon and Chase and Devin and like just being able to play with people who who like as kids, you know, like to play pretend and then just never grew out of it. Uh, I think for a while you think like you're an alien because that's something that you like and you don't find those people everywhere. And like you said, man, it's a creative outlet. Like when you're a creative, it just like gives you an opportunity every week to get out there and just like be a goofball in front of people and be unapologetic about it. And I, I just never experienced that before. And like been paid, Like when you do that in the military, they, they don't love it all the time. You know, some people do, but a lot of the time they give you some crap for it. So it's a, uh, yeah, definitely influenced coming to Chicago and pursuing it at a higher level um, or a different level. I shouldn't even say a higher level. Cause uh, yeah. Cause I came out here, I did the second city conservatory. And like, if I hadn't done the bit players, I absolutely would not have been able to get into the program or, do well uh it gives you like a base knowledge for like how to write and how to be funny in front of people did you so i'm curious about this you said that you started did you didn't audition to be a comedian they brought you in as a musician yeah they, they just brought me in at a point where they needed uh, musicians um and, and remind me were you in the same in the group at the same time as danny landino or no actually the first show i did with danny was uh when i we did our 20 minute piece together um yeah that was the first time i ever saw danny perform but i've heard great things and i you know he He's obviously the kid shines out there. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's always fantastic. But just for context, when uh, I ended up moving to to Newport in 2023, and he had an extra room, and he he and I we go way back. We went to uh, the high school theater together. Uh, oh, no. 
<laughs> so like I, I just happened to move there and he was like, Oh, like we, we need musicians and like, they're having an open musician rehearsal. Would you like to, would you like to come and kind of learn what we do and see what we do? And at that point, I think I had seen him in two or three bit shows and I was like, yeah, I'd absolutely love to come do that. And just like you, I grew up uh, watching who's line uh, with my parents at the dinner table. And I, I loved it even, even in reruns and uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of went from there. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He, he's a good dude. And that's like, such odd connections you have with people who like find that place mm -hmm. it's so weird it's it's an, like an island of misfit toys like just random the randomest collection of people they would see us out at like caleb and broad next door you couldn't have put our group of people together anywhere else you know what i mean other than that stage like we just look out of place together it's so yeah very bizarre it's the best. It's it's absolutely the yeah. best. Um, yeah. I feel like the average person doesn't know that Chicago is where improv was invented. Like there is a Correct. deep, deep history of improv in that city. Uh, how do you see that affecting the work that you're doing there? Oh my God. Um, you come out here. You, I mean, you're every dork who ever wanted to do improv at second city comes out here to do it. You know what I mean? People who like it, they like, yeah, I, I guess that's the best way to say it. It's like, you can go see live improv every single night. Like, there's something happening at one of the theaters. So they have uh, Second City, obviously, which is, like, the mecca. Like, everyone knows about Second City. But then there's also Improv Olympic I.O., um, which during the pandemic shut. So when I first got here, I.O. was closed, mm -hmm. but since reopened. And then the Annoyance Theater is another big one out here. Um, and, yeah, you can just – you can find shows. You can audition for stuff. Like, there's always something kind of going on comedy-wise. And, yeah uh, – as far back as like Del Close. So big draw coming out here too is like all my favorite actors growing up all kind of went through this program, uh, comedic actors at some point or another, like, you know, as far as like Alan Arkin, if you go back and Peter Boyle, who was on Everybody Loves Raymond, if you ever watch that show, he's the dad. Um, and then like, you know, Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, the Saturday Night Live guys, but like, yeah, you learn how to like take comedy pretty seriously. Whereas like the I'd say like if the bit players, you're rewarded for having a ton of energy and just uh, giving the crowd what they want. And out here, the audiences don't necessarily respond to the cheap jokes that the drunk audience at bit players might respond to. You know what I mean? And like sometimes we'd be doing it at the bits begrudgingly, like okay, like somebody else yells dildo. I guess we have to take Not it. You know? Thing. Yeah, yeah. So good. But out here, it's like you want to play things very, very serious, very like close to home. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's just a whole, it's like a whole different muscle. Like I'm not a long form improviser. It's a totally different environment. It's like, it's the hybrid of like acting and, uh, you know, stand up or performance comedy, whatever. Um, it's super wild. Two or three months into me being with the bit players, we went to like the CTC showcase in Rhode Island, and there were mostly long form groups there. And I remember sitting there watching yeah. and just being amazed that someone was able to sustain a 20 minute show completely made up on the spot. Just, it just completely, completely improvised. Uh, I was in a weird way, like intimidated. Like I, I struggled to do short form and I, I've definitely gotten better at it as uh, I've had the few opportunities to practice it over the last year, but long form just seems like a different beast. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's totally different. Like, and I'm sure anyone at the big players to tell you, like I was, had a lot of energy and was like pretty manic and like went for the joke every time. Like I was, I'm a pretty selfish performer when it comes to that stage. And uh, I have no problem just being like, Oh, I'm going to take this scene just cause I want to, you know what I mean? Uh, coming out here, you, you immediately have to go like, 
I, I, you have to slow down. You know, you got you to gotta pl play things out. You got to let scenes breathe. You don't have to be funny all the time. Trying to be funny is often the, the opposite of what you're trying to do what, or what you should be trying to do, I guess. Yeah. So it's a, it's a whole different muscle, a whole different set of rules, it seems like. And like where you nitpick kind of rules that the bit players right? like obviously there's yes and, you know, you're, you're trying to still set the scenes the same way. You're still trying to hit the same points and, and build characters. And, but you're trying to, at the end of the day, the audience paid money and you're trying to get them to laugh in three minutes in a long form. You know, you might start a scene and then the payoff isn't till 10 minutes into the set. That's the good, you know, good improv. I've seen a lot of, I mean, I've seen a lot of good improv out here, but I've seen a lot more bad improv. And it's because it's so difficult. Like, it's not always funny. And it sometimes the not funny doesn't get funny. Um, but you see a lot of these people out here who were like main stage Second City alumni who they're still in like Herald companies uh, that do like long form shows every week. And so going to see them is wild because it's like, like the, the old quote or whatever is it's like watching somebody build an airplane in midair. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these people just, it's, it, they do it like ballet, man. It's just beautiful. Like they, it's, they really perfect the art form and they aren't afraid and they eat the silence and then they make something out of it. It's when you see it done well, it's impressive. When you see it done poorly, anyone can do it. It's, you know, it's one of those like, Oh, I could do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is a different skill set. And I'm glad you mentioned different skill sets because I wanted to touch on this next part. Uh, we briefly talked about your foray into stand-up comedy and I noticed that you said it wasn't, uh, you know, like the, the big defining thing that you did, but you said that you did it during the strikes uh, just as a way to like test a new skill set. What was that like? Because I feel like that's almost the complete opposite of improv. Instead of making something up on the spot, you are pre-planning out a set trying to make people laugh in that different context. What was going into stand-up like for you? And what were, what was your approach to it? So my transition was pretty cool because at Second City, what they do is they is they teach improv to sketch. So you learn how to improvise and then you learn how to turn improvised scenes or bases into like full sketches. So essentially- like rewriting them after they're improvised? Exactly, yeah. So you'll like, you improv, right? And then- a, a room full of people will go, okay, what was funny about that? Or what wasn't funny? What would we like to see more of? So you, you get like a good response from people and it's really cool because they help guide your writing. And then after a while you start to figure it out. So like that program was a year long. And after that, I just had a book full of sketches and like jokes. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just like try to turn some attention towards writing. I was taking writing classes with a guy who was in Monty Python, which was like, I'm a Monty Python geek. Are you a Python guy? Not not the biggest, but I know the hits, and I I know yeah. the prestige that is Monty Python. If you like comedy, get into it because it's like the, the, their formula for writing jokes is like still kind of tried and true. It's like if you watch, I think you should leave. Like you can trace a lot of that back to yeah. So if you're an I think you should leave guy. You'd like Huge. Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, he's the best, and he's a Second City guy as well, Tim Robinson. Oh yeah. So yeah, so these so basically they teach you how to write, write sketch, and then I started taking like like writing classes to like, like talk show submission or Saturday night live submission. And I had packets prepared and then the, the writer's strike happened. And I just had a, you know, a box full of jokes really. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to do something with these. And I was like getting kind of antsy waiting to get back on stage. And I had just done a, uh, like a play at the gam in Rhode Island. And I was like, all right, like I, I got to get back up. And so I started doing stand up, and I did it for like a little while. And I, all things considered, I, I did pretty well for like how green I was at it. 
Um, it's just like, I didn't do it enough to get comfortable. You have to be there every night. And like, it is a booze soaked culture. And that is, it is like tough to be out there at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, and then get up and go to work, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy that we're having uh, this interview today because I did my first ever open mic last night. Uh, every, every year, like into the new year, I make a bunch of like tiny micro resolutions, just things that I want to accomplish in the new year. And I said that in 2024, I would, I would try my first open mic. I would, I would do it. So I, I went down to this, this part this bar that had an open mic. It was five minutes per open micer. And I, I done it, did it for the first time. I had like no things that I wanted to do. And my God, I bombed so fucking hard. Okay. Not, not, not bomb. Maybe that was the wrong word because like, like you were saying, it's, it's late nights. Uh, I was, uh, th- there were 32 people that went on. I was number 31. So at the time I was there, a, a good 80% of the crowd had left. It was super late into the night. And I, I think I did okay for the very small crowd, but it, it was my first time, man. Like I had nerves. I didn't really know how to like approach the rhythm and stuff. Like, I'm super glad I did it because it's crazy. Yeah. When you see these guys who are, who are getting Netflix specials and stuff. Like even, you know, people dogged on that dude, Matt Rife, who was getting a lot of internet attention. Yeah. And, but like to be comfortable enough to do crowd work is you, the amount of times you have to bomb to get comfortable. You know what I mean? You have to eat that. You have to get up there and go like, not only do I, am I like not afraid to do poorly. It's pretty funny when you do poorly. You know what I mean? I just never got there. I, I was like, I've done scripted stuff. Uh, and I've now written my own scripted stuff. And I, I performed it individually and it was just not something that I like wanted to continue doing. Cause it's a lot of time. And I'm sure you knew this even for writing five minutes. It's like, it's a lot of time by yourself writing jokes. And then you run through it in your head and you're like, that's funny. And then you run through it again and you're like, is that funny? And then like you read the script over and over and over. And then you're two minutes from going on stage and all your anxiety hits. Like, is any of the jokes that I'm about to tell funny. And if you can get some good ones, you know, especially if you're, what I was learning to do towards the end of my time doing it like very consistently um, was I was just learning how to like write like emotional truth, I guess you'd call it. Like just try to talk about things that your life experience dictates, not like trying to be quippy because like Joe Biden's in office or Donald Trump, you know what I mean? Like you're not trying to, like nobody cares about your social commentary. They care about you. Like you're the person up there. Um, so the more I did it, the more comfortable I got. I think I just realized it was especially because I'm also working a 40 hour a week job. Uh, it's not something that was like super sustainable for me or like it wasn't filling that void that the bit players or second city or doing plays has done for me. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy it. It's, it's a good way to, to find out if you're genuinely funny or not. I'm, I'm glad that the, uh, the six people left in the room gave me a couple chuckles. So I guess, I guess there you go, man. maybe bombing wasn't the, the right word to use but it it's crazy you get such an intimidation when you watch the open micers that are doing it consistently and consistently and you realize that they're kind of like surfers riding a wave of laughter and applause like they know the timing they know the rhythm and then uh, you know i get up there my first time and you're like oh i don't have a board i think you're here i don't know how to ride them but yeah. you know practices that's everything. a great metaphor that, that's a great yeah because it's and it's also that these guys have you you watch them ride the wave mm. and it looks you're like holy shit that's the coolest thing i've ever seen right but like you didn't see them crash and burn for five years riding the same board trying to hit the same wave right like um i had a guy that i was doing stand-up with he's he was friends with i don't know if you know Lil rel 
Um, oh yeah, no, Laurel Howry. Yeah. Yeah, he's tremendous. Like he's a Chicago-based comic, and this dude knew him from way back, and they he watched him do the same stand-up set for five years. He said he would go see him at a bar, and he said he said when he first started, he was like uncomfortable and kind of like, you know, stiff and square about it. He goes. You know, you never know it. The next year you come back, he's more comfortable. The next year, you know, he's doing the same material, same material. And by the time that they're doing it for five, six years, like, they know the stuff so well. You know what I mean? That, like, you, you can't really throw them. Like, no matter what, the audience has already screwed up every punchline they could. Uh, so, like, they're hitting every single joke. You know what I mean? Like, every time. And they know how to, how to clock the audience responses. They know how the audience is going to react. They know when there's going to be a weird reaction. Shane Gillis, if you watch Shane Gillis, man. Oh yeah, his his especially his latest. He's a masterclass. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like like it, he, he makes it look like he's just up there being a bro, um, bro. And the reality is like he's probably frantically writing all day and like going over his stuff and making sure that I have to look comfortable up here. It's a bananas difficult experience. I'm sure to get to that level is probably gut wrenching. For sure, I, I had a lot of respect for it before. I have even more respect for it now, but I just got to keep at it. Uh, Connor, I wanted to ask you, so since you're a theatrical guy, theatrical actor, what is your dream role? Like what is your number one role that you wish you could play on a stage? My, I like waiting for Godot. Mm -hmm. That's one that I'd love to do is, is be a uh, uh, DD or go, go and waiting for Godot or just any role in that play. I got a few, I, you know, I like musical wise, I'd love to do the King and Hamilton. That's like the most, you know, basic answer, but the richest, yeah, the, it's just like you come in three times and two minutes you crush and then you get off. Like that's the best role. Like anything, Neil Simon, you know, like I love like the odd couple. I would Oscar or Felix, uh, True West. I did, I got to do a small section of True West in like sophomore year in college. I had no idea what I was doing. And like, I thought I was killing it. You know what I mean? And now I look back and I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, I didn't even know how to stand on stage. I'd love to revisit that. Yeah, so I got a few. I got, you know, hopefully you'll see me in something. I, I'd, I'd love to do more stuff in Rhode Island. Um, you know, the Gam Burbage Theater. They have a really good theater scene up there. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to, when I get back there, hit the ground running and do some theater. So maybe you'll see me in some stuff. Who knows? Oh yeah. So, so you are moving back to Rhode Island? Yeah, that was. Uh, if I, you know, if Saturday Night Live never called. You know, that, and, and when you come out here, I think everybody has the same rose colored glasses as you're like, I'm going to get on the main stage in like two weeks. We'll be good to go. And like Saturday Night Live, Lauren Michaels will be on the phone in a month. And like, none of that happens. You know, they don't hire from Second City anymore. They hire stand up comics who've been grinding by themselves and putting themselves out there. Um, and on top of it, like, just to get to, to Second City, just to like get paid by them is a process you know what i mean you got to be there all the time you got to be working constantly so yeah that was always in the cards is we're from rhode island me and my fiance but yeah so uh looking forward to coming back to rhode island because like i said man nobody gets paid to do this stuff some of the most talented people who are working the most out here that i've seen are not making a nickel to do the bit players and get paid and that's the most fun job like it's so much fun you you are you're the best part of a group of people's week you know, people like really looked forward to that show and like i i do miss doing it so to go be able to go back if i you know I've, i have some pretty good uh connections within the theater community in rhode island i i'd hope to join you guys back on the player stage a little bit it would be great uh if i could go back and do some some stuff over there but yeah rhode island's definitely where we'd like to be uh long term 
Hell yeah. Love, love all the bits. I'm sure that plenty of them are listening to this right now. And if they are, you're all the best. Uh, Connor. Oh, no, they're not. They're the oh, worst. Shit. I'm going to tell oh, you everything about them that I dislike starting now. I'm just kidding. They're alphabetically. Great I love those guys. They're fantastic. Um, best group of people I've ever met. Uh, really? They, it's like, it just sounds so cheesy now, but uh, it, it's the most fun I've ever had. And I, you know, you, I did it thinking, oh yeah, like got into it, had no further aspirations in mind. And this, the minute I did, you know I mean? The minute I left, it was like, you, you, all you do is go like, man, I wish I was back there doing that with my friends. You know what I mean? Um, just to, yeah, it was just, the, it's the most fun thing you can do. Yeah, it's a fantastic feeling. Connor, the best. Connor, where, where can people find you? <laughs> Jeez. I'm in Chicago. I mean, if you're ever out here, give me a shout. Yeah. I, I, I have a social media. I I've been off it for a while. Um, but hopefully I have some things to come in the future. I'd love to, to get back up on stage with you guys. That'd be great. Oh yeah. Connor Delaney, soon to be a newly married man. Connor, thank you so much for your time. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Drew. Very nice talking to you.